People who are not in it do not understand that sometimes even doing something you love, you need a break. It's almost like even as a parent, you can love your children with every inch of you and you still need a break. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with fellow financial educator and serial entrepreneur, Tanya Rapley. She says, are you doing work that will allow your legacy to last? Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. And if you're brand new, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so every week, we focus on well-being in six pillars, and these are the areas of life that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. If you need to get caught up, and I suggest you do, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Again, the pillars can be broken down for you at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's brought to you by our Redefining Wealth private Facebook community. Yes, we have a community of purpose chasers from all over the globe. I don't believe that greatness can be created in isolation. You need people and you need like-hearted, not just like-minded folks around you. So join our free Facebook community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. You'll get to meet purpose chasers who are near you. Yes, in your own country, wherever you are. You can suggest show topics and guests and even get early access to upcoming events and programs. Purpose chasers always know first. So join us at IamAPurposeChaser.com. Hey there, super excited to get into this week's episode with my girl, Tanya Rapley. We have known each other for quite some time and grown up in this personal finance space together. And it is my honor to finally welcome her to the Redefining Wealth podcast. Tanya Rapley is an internationally recognized speaker, financial educator, best-selling author, and serial entrepreneur based in Atlanta. She is the founder of the award-winning site, MyFab Finance, where her mission is to help people make financial decisions they are proud of so that they can create lives they love. Furthering her commitment to holistic wellness in 2019, she purchased Club Lufa, an exclusive self-care brand focused on inspiring and supporting regenerative practices for all. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Tanya Rapley. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Tanya. Oh my God, Patrice, it's about time. I was like, when do I get to redefine wealth? It's about time. (laughs) You have been redefining wealth since I met you. How long have we known each other now? Oh, what would you say? The first FinCon we met, it was the one in New Orleans, I think. And that was like 2014. Yeah. 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 It's, It's been a while. It's been a while. And I have been loving you and everything that you stand for and everything that you do. Uh, since that time, I know it was beyond time, but I got an email some weeks back and they said, oh, we want you to know about the co-host of this amazing show, season two of Going From Broke. 
Tanya Rapley. I think she might be a great fit for the podcast. And I'm like, excuse me? Excuse me. Do you think I have to be pitched on my friend? <laughs> we don't know. We, we, we're all friends. Like once you get to this, we're all friends. I think a lot of people would be surprised to see how much we adore each other. I like the women in personal finance in general because we're doing. The yeah. <laughs> yes, we have been sisters in personal finance for a long time. And it's so funny, you know, when you think about not just our industry, but but just society, culture, you are typically thought to think or or it's typical that you would think of people in your space as competition. And all of us, whether that is Marsha or Tiffany or Kara, anybody in this space, it's always been like, no, that's not competition. That's my sister. We're complimentary. Like we encourage one another. We shine, you know, when I shine, you shine, when you shine, I shine. And I just love that that's always been the spirit that we've carried through our relationships. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's, it's really beautiful to be a part of. So just like me, you got started in personal finance, not because you went to college like, you know what I want to be? A personal finance expert. (laughs) You also got into this because of your story. And I'd love for you to take us back. So before the Black Enterprise cover and before, you know, commercials and podcasts with notable brands and doing all the things, like many of us, you had your own struggles with personal finance. Can you just take us back to what, started you on this journey? Absolutely. There was nothing you could, no one could have told me that I'd become a financial educator. Like no one. (laughs) I'm like, what? Wrong person. So I got into personal finance out of necessity. My mother and father were career military and they always preached, you know, pay your bills on time because you don't want bad credit. So like that was personal finance for me. Pay your bills on time because don't you don't want to be that person with bad credit. So I graduated from college. Well, went off to college, had great credit, didn't have money in savings, had no idea about retirement and ended up getting into an abusive relationship in college. And so the only thing I had going for me financially was my credit got ruined too. And I was like, you know what? Forget it all. Forget it all. I'm just, let me just live my life. And I ended up moving to New York City. And while living in New York, I was working at a nonprofit. And while working at that nonprofit, I created community events. And we had low-income women who lived there. And I'm sitting in the back of this event and the guy is talking about finance related things. I'm looking at the women in the room. I'm like, Tanya, you're not much, you're not further off from them. Since you're low income and you have no savings, your credit is in the toilet and you have nothing saved for investing. And so it was that moment where I realized that I, I felt like I had done everything right on paper, you know, going to college, graduating with honors and everything else. Yet I wasn't in a position where I was proud of myself financially. At that time, I was too broke to pay someone to help me with my finances. I actually did a consultation with a gentleman. He was like, it's $99 a month. I was like, sir, I don't even have that. And so I ended up going to the library and checking out as many books as I can on personal finance. Um, Glenda Bridgeford's Girl, Get Your Money Right was um, one of the first books I got. Someone gave me Susie Orman, Young, Broken, Fabulous. And it started there. I was like, okay, I'm gonna start this blog to hold me accountable and started the blog thinking that I was just gonna get free clothes or whatever. And here we are with a whole business and like life's purpose later. Wow. So there's a couple things there. So first of all, I have to go back to the abusive relationship. Was it also financial abuse 
It was. It was financially abusive. And I didn't realize that it was financially abusive until I became a financial educator and started learning more about personal finance. I was like, wait, he was racking up credit card debt in my name. Wait, he was stealing money. Wait, I was the only person paying the bills. I didn't have, I couldn't even save money to leave the relationship because all my money went into providing for us because he refused to work. And that's when I, and then it also was abusive. And so um, understanding abuse and the dynamics of abuse, which is, you know, exertion of power and control, he exerted power and control over me in a way that it was physical abuse. And so I was fearful of if I didn't take care of the bills, then what would be the repercussions from that? But then also with the integrity that my parents had instilled with me, where you pay your bills, no matter what you pay your bills. And so there was, he took advantage of that belief, but then also the physical abuse aspect of the relationship. And even after I left that relationship, I ended up walking away in 2007. It wasn't until 2014 that I paid off all the debt that was incurred. I'm talking like ruining my PayPal account to the point where I could, I started my fat finance. I couldn't even open a PayPal account because I had debt that he had created. Wow. Paying off credit cards, broken leases. Like when I finally decided to leave, I had a broken lease on my credit report because I didn't ever report him to the police. And so I didn't have police reports, even though there was like, I was hospitalized a couple of times because of the violence, but broken lease or not, I ended up having to call my mom because I didn't have any money in savings. And she put money in my account. And I was like, I'm going to go home to get my life together. I think you should go back to your parents, you know, and we'll just meet back when we get ourselves together. Got to North Carolina, changed my number, was like, don't call me and started to, kind of rebuild, but in my own way, I just did what I felt needed to be done for me until I was ready to address the wounds of that relationship. Wow. So there's so much there. Even your willingness to help others in the midst of still working through your own stuff, right? So whenever I share my story, I always tell people that I was not completely restored when I started Seek Wisdom, Find Wealth. Like when I started my blog, it was like, look, I lost all my money, but my mind ain't bad. And if you, if you want to come with me, we can go because I know some things to do. Right. Yeah. But I see so many women like when I look at you now and your beautiful family and thriving businesses, not one, but two thriving businesses, if not more, because I know you have investments and all this other stuff going on. Uh, when I look at that, it's evident that you didn't wait until everything was fixed and perfect before you said, what can I do to just start, you know, helping other people? Because even in you starting the blog to hold yourself accountable, it was still inspirational to other people and taking them along the journey. How did you get over, if you ever experienced any type of imposter syndrome? Because here you are talking about finances and you're like, I'm st- I still got to pay this debt off. How were you able to push through in the midst of knowing what your real circumstances still were? Oh my goodness, Patrice. Yes. Honestly, early on, I had a lot of, I dealt with imposter syndrome a lot and imposter syndrome because one, I struggled with math growing up. So I wasn't a mathematician Two, my own finances were not in the best condition. And three, I was meeting other people who were in personal finance that went to Ivy league schools, like, you know, Wake Forest and Harvard. And I graduated from Florida International University. Granted, it's a fantastic school, but it's not Ivy league. And so I have my own insecurities. And I remember going to a speaking, when I decided I wanted to speak more about personal finance, I took a class called Cool as a Cucumber. And during that class, 
Holly, who is my instructor, she's a good friend to this day. She, I told her, you know, talked about my insecurity. She said, but people can Google this information at the end of the day. They want to hear it from you. It's the way you deliver it. It is your understanding, your basic comprehension of personal finance and communicating that in a way that the everyday person can understand it. So once I understood that and walked that path and stood in that space, I became more confident. That's not saying that I didn't have you know issues or any struggles or anything else that might have arisen, but it was like, okay, I'm just going to be authentic and tell my story authentically. And my best friend always says, that if you own your truth, no one else can use it against you. Come so on. I was like, okay, I'm being honest and transparent. And even to this day, I'm honest and transparent. I just was doing a live and someone asked about debt. And I was like, I still have some debt I'm paying off. Like, I'm not the type of person who's going to put my entire life on hold till I pay off debt because I know I can multitask. I can do each one. <laughs> so um, I'm not that person. I'm very transparent about it. Other people, that's their selling point. They're debt-free. That's not my selling point. It's becoming more confident and then being transparent and honest with, yeah. with my audience. And that's always been important with my brand. And I feel like if you can't be transparent and honest and you're acting and who wants to create a business based on acting? Like who, who? First of all, is it sustainable? I think that's one of the reasons that we end up seeing these news stories and all of a sudden people are like, <gasps> and it's like, uh, yeah, cause you can't keep putting on <laughs> like this. Like you can only do that for so long. That's the real them. Like if yeah. this came with that, yes, it's not sustainable. We don't create businesses. I know that you didn't create your business to like to hate what you do every day. And one of the easiest ways to hate what you do every day is to create something that's not aligned who you authentically are. It really has been, I think, in service to myself and the way that I do the work, but also the need to be able to address any insecurities I may have and just being honest and being transparent and just like, this is me. Yeah. Every other month, I attend a Super Friends brunch where we talk about everything from purpose to pursuing new dreams and even menopause. Yep, you heard me, menopause, because if you're over 40 and your girlfriends don't keep it real, I don't know what to tell you. But we have these important conversations because how can we redefine wealth if we're not keeping up with our hormonal health? Now, we discovered Happy Mammoth. It's the company that created Hormone Harmony and it's dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for us. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. Hormone Harmony contains herbal extracts called aptogens that help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally. And any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take Hormone Harmony. It's perfect for hot flashes, night sweats, menopause-related brain fog, sleeplessness, occasional bloating and gas. You get the picture. Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com by using the code RW at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RW for 15% off. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, because purpose doesn't require perfection. Yes, it doesn't. Purpose doesn't. does not require perfection. And I think, you know, we all have a story. Mm. For many of us, the thing that we feel purpose to do came out of something that was painful for many of us. Now, if that's not you, good for you. But most of us have some what you might call, quote unquote, raggedy story <laughs> that actually was the catalyst for who we are today and, and what we do. And I think for anyone who is in the midst of a story right now, you're in the midst of a valley, you're in a difficult situation. I think what I want you to take away is just understanding that this might be a part of the story that actually sets you up for what's next in your life, but you can't allow the story to be weaponized. Yo, who can't? You can't weaponize the story and then you can't not tell it because you're afraid that other people will weaponize it. Because yes. when we tell our truth, like what you going to do? It is what it is. So when people would hit me up like, you should have did something different. You should have been there to counsel me in 2007. But see, you're talking to me in 2016. So it's gone now. It is what it is. I did what I did. And I learned whatever lessons I needed to learn to be the woman, the mother, the wife the entrepreneur that I am today. It just is what it is. And I don't, you don't have to apologize for that. Right. And I love that uh, you're doing your thing. I, I girl. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sitting here. Then I'm like, man, she's so good. <laughs> By the way, Tanya and I went to lunch recently, not too long ago. And all we did was sit there like, yes, yes, yes we did. <laughs> Yes, girl, that's so good. Up in the same city again. Fine. Like I God just say, y'all gonna do this. Yes, you're you're gonna have to get together. When we were both in California, we were a little raggedy with it. However, actually, actually, your husband actually helped me out and came to my house more than you did. Because Kaya's husband, uh Kamari, actually was the videographer on a shoot for me some years back and I was like so how can we just get Tanya here though like I know I was like must be nice you know I'm that person must be nice you got to see Patrice today yeah <laughs> but you know and that's the thing and I think that that's the important thing about understanding kind of shifting gears but the importance of having friends who understand your life and what you're navigating because talking about alignment and talking about purpose a like purpose you also want to find friends who understand your purpose understand 
She's working. She's doing her thing. It's all love. We'll see each other when we can see each other. Like when we can make it happen, we'll make it happen and there won't be any love lost. So that's really important. I'm happy that right. we are. Because every time we see each other, it's like, girl, girl. You know? <laughs> all love. Yeah. All love. So not only did you launch My Fab Finance, where you've done all this amazing work as a financial educator, you turned around and launched a second business. Now this, now you got to break this down. What's the business? What inspired it? And like, how the heck are you doing both? It's, you know, when I bought, so I, and we ended up buying the business. It was already established because I knew I didn't have it in me to build something else from scratch, but I wanted an e-commerce business. I wanted something that could generate more income and something that was easier to scale than a personal finance or a service-based business. And there are many nights when I'm like, why'd you do that? Why you, you did the most. And it's been a lesson and I'm learning. And um, so the, the business is Club Lufa. It's a premium bath tool subscription business. We create or we sell products to help with your daily rituals, whether that is your bathing and shower ritual, creating a spa environment at home. And it already had its own subscribers and everything else. When we bought it, we've just been building onto that and really tweaking the vision. There were some things I saw when I bought the business. I realized they could do this differently and really set it off. Right now we're in the process of formulating our own body wash, a microbiome friendly body wash. I am learning things completely, completely opposite to personal finance. So now I'm in um, spa and skincare and microbiome friendly, which means that it doesn't disrupt the body's natural skin barrier. Um, It kind of just works in harmony with the body. It's been a good lesson. Me and my husband bought it together. We're working together. We're also navigating that working relationship it stretches me in a different way. And I think that at the end of the day, I like a challenge. I like learning and growing. I am curious by nature and it has definitely scratched that itch and more. At this point, <laughs> point, there's a scab and we're just like, just figuring out, okay, how do we continue to grow this business? And with my fat finance, when I bought Club Lufa, I was at a place with my fat finance where I wasn't taking any more speaking engagements. We kind of had our blue ribbon club um, situated. And then I decided, I don't like how this is working. Let's shake it up. So simultaneously, I am revamping my Fed finance and building Club Lufa, which is a lot, but it's working. It's doing, it's giving what it needs to give. Girl, look, bow down. Let me bow. Because honey, I can't imagine, you know, and I'm so glad that you were on, that you're honest, that you're like, you know, some days I'm like, what did you do that for? What did you get yourself into? Because that's the truth of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Like I posted something the other day. I was like, look, you can be completely walking, breathing, living, talking in your purpose. And then have days where you'd be like, what am I doing? Why? Why am I here? Why did I say yes to this? Lord, did I hear you correctly? Like, am I, <laughs> Are you sure? am I truly on the right path? Or did I do this to myself? You can love what you do and love the stretch and the growth that comes from it and still some days just be like, wow, how do you incorporate rest and recovery? How do you incorporate your own well-being, even in the midst of you have this business that's about wealth building and now you have this other business that's about well-being, which, you know, I think go hand in hand. I love it. But how have you been able, especially as a mom of a young toddler and all that to incorporate your own well-being in the mix? Absolutely. And that that quote and that um, comment you may resonated with me. I was like, oh, isn't this the truth? Because 
It's that, well, at least you, you know, people who are not in it do not understand that sometimes even doing something you love, you need a break. It's almost like even as a parent, you can love your children with every inch of you and you still need a break. You You still still like, can I drop them off on Thursday night? They can miss school on Friday and come back on Saturday. Still, and you can miss them the entire time you're gone and still be like, but I'm glad I got my break. Last year, my mom actually pulled me aside and she told me she was like, Tanya, I see a lot of me and you and I see what you're doing and you are overworking yourself. You need to give yourself space and time. I don't know what it looks like for you, but you need to. And I took that to heart. And early before, before I bought Club Lufa, before I had my son, I had it down. Like I was only working about three days a week or I'd have Mondays and Tuesdays. I took Wednesdays off or Thursday, Friday, took Saturday, Sunday off. Then things got shaken up, had my son, had to figure out how that worked, put him in daycare. We were good. Then COVID happened and he's at home all the time. So things have been shaken up. And this year, I December, I committed to, I'm going to take a solo vacation or a solo trip at least once a quarter where my husband isn't going, my son isn't going. Like I am only responsible for me and I can do whatever I want. If that means I'm going to lay in the hotel bed and watch Married at First Sight all to all day, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not responsible for anybody. I don't have to hug anyone if I don't want. Like, and so I do that once a quarter and that has been really helpful. And then we have a living nanny. And so one of the things about financial security and financial stability is the ability to have other people help you buy back your time. And so by having my nanny, she's wonderful. She she's she's exceptional with Karis. She frees up some of my time too. So if I need to go get my nails done, it's not like I have to make arrangements. It just fits into my schedule. If I have a therapy session, therapy starts as soon as like she takes over and takes care of us. And I've learned not to feel guilty about having support. I think a lot of people feel guilty. Like, well, I should be doing it all. Why? We're village people by nature. Like we typically live in tribes. This solo home structure that we have is not innate or is not, what most of us or most of our ancestors existed in. And so I'm recreating a tribe so that I can lean on people when I need to. And so that I don't, and I do not feel guilty about that at all. I don't feel guilty about having a house cleaner. I don't feel guilty about the dealership came and got my car, took it, repaired it and brought it back to me. I don't feel guilty about it because at the end of the day, the body keeps the score and it is up to me to make sure my body is operating optimally. And that means taking space and leaning on people when I need it. Um, oh, see, this is why we were at lunch. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Right. Recreating the tribe. Mm-hmm. That is so good. I hadn't heard anyone say it in that way, but you are so right. And I even talk about this in, in the book and redefine wealth for yourself. This whole thing for women in particular, feeling guilty to get support. Like this is not how it used to go, right? No. And and definitely a lot of things have evolved, but there's no way that I could be present to my purpose, but also present when my family really needs me, right? If I was so worried about doing some of the more domestic things, like I just, I just, I don't. And I used to feel like I had to apologize for that. Like when well, my grandma used to scrub the baseboards and, but my grandma had time. She also right? had time. She had she she at home. Yeah. She, yeah. She was at home. So now to try, even though I worked from home, I'm working, but now to try to recreate these standards, you know, for what I love that. Devon Franklin says in his book, um, Live Free, where is it written? Like, where is it written 
that you have to do the laundry, that you have to mow the lawn or that now if it's therapeutic for you, go off. Right. Yeah. But if you are doing it begrudgingly and every time you do it, everybody got to know that you doing <laughs> it <laughs> and that you hate it and you don't like it. Think about how that energy can be better used to serve your purpose or to give you that time for self-care so that you can continue to show up as your best possible self. I don't show up as my best possible self when I do laundry. You're going to hear about it. I, I don't show up right? Like when I have to go to the grocery store, it's cold. I don't like it. I, it like send me with a short list. I got to run in and run out. Now you want a full fridge, pantry, stock full of stuff. I'm not the person to send for that. Right. right. And, I, and I, I'm not going to apologize for that because that's one of the things that I work for. I like to invest in my peace. Yes. I like to invest in my convenience. I'm not a big bag shopper. I don't care about red bottoms. I don't really care about, you know, a, a lot of the other stuff, but investing in my support. Oh, every time I'm going to do yeah. that. It's invaluable. It is invaluable. And so, you know, hopefully if somebody is listening in there, you know, if you have the resource and that's another thing, like you also want to make sure you're in a place where you have the resources and you work towards it and do, do your budget and make sure that you are not, getting the support, but now you're financially stressed. Like, how am I going to pay for the support? Yeah. Um, But if you can afford it. You build up though. Yes. I think think the first step is, is being okay, giving yourself permission to receive the support and then looking at your life and going, what's realistic? Like, no, maybe you can't have a live-in nanny, but can you commit to having a babysitter once a week that gives you your time? Right. I remember I used to barter with my live-in nanny. So she didn't have housing. She needed housing and she needed transportation. So we bought her a car. She lived with us in a spare room and she helped with Reagan. And that's when I was writing my first book. I was not really in a position to pay her, you know, what you might pay a live-in nanny, what someone may expect from me if I needed a live-in nanny right now. Mm -hmm. But back then it was like, what can we do? I paid her like the bare minimum that I could possibly pay that she was willing to accept. And then we got the car, paid the insurance, took care of maintenance and gave her a roof over her head. And she was willing to barter with us. Yeah. When I used to barter for my nails to get done, girl, I used to like give the people advice, right? Like business advice at that time. Cause again, I had owned a successful business. It crashed in the real estate market. Right. Mm -hmm. But I bartered for my nails. I bartered for lashes. I bartered for eyebrows. I was bartering for hair. There is a way I was just willing to do, like, it wasn't just, well, no, that's not for me. It was ask ask better questions. This is the support that I need. How can we make this happen? Like, what do you need? And I definitely remember I used to get my nails done. I helped her. I would give her social media support, like the woman Mm -hmm. who did my nails. You know, there's me too. things done. (laughs) And even for me, when I was building my fat finance, I remember one of the first guilty moments that I had about getting support and not being, you know, because the personal finance community is interesting, especially when you go to like some of these finance conferences, because you have people who will not do a thing or pay for a thing. They are just uber cheap. And that's not me. And so I remember when I decided that I was going to get wash and fold laundry service living in New York and people were like, you're not doing your own laundry. 
Like, no, my time is so much more valuable than sitting in the laundromat for three to four hours. Like, I'm going to drop it off and pick it up when I'm ready. But that was the first thing. And it didn't even cost that much. My laundry, it might have cost maybe like $25 or $40 when I got my laundry done. But like you said, working up to it, working up and buying back your time and using that time so that, okay, I'm doing a money-making activity right now, or I'm doing a peace-driving activity right now that allows me to grow my income so that I can do more down the line. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so passionate. I know we both so passionate about this because I just tweeted about that yesterday about my car needed some servicing and the the cheap brain was like, oh, how much? Let me see if I can find someone who could do it cheaper. And then I was like, you know what? But then you got to go, you got to get your car. Then you got to drive it somewhere else and figure it out. And you're trying to go somewhere. I was like, just do it. Just do it. Because now my car is here and we're ready to go. And I didn't have to do anything else. So, you know, Sometimes just spend the money if you got it, because that piece is invaluable and buying back your time. And do it small. You start small. You start where you can. I think it's about teaching yourself that you're worthy. Yeah. Like like that you're that you're worthy of the peace, that I'm worthy of the peace. And I have to create a struggle scenario out of everything that life throws at me. Like everything that has to happen doesn't have to be from a place of like complete struggle bus, you know? And, you know, you just you work your way up and not worry about other people's opinions and what they think. And like, oh, you doing this or you doing that. If you're not paying for it, you're not being impacted by it. I really just that you should say nothing <laughs> like that. You should have no opinion. Do what works for you because that what you have to do what works for you. Me. Really, what I'm doing doesn't work for you. So let's just do us. Yeah. So, Tanya, I have to ask you about going from broke. So how did this all come about and what is your role on the show? Yes, going from broke. And it's funny we talk about buying back your piece because going from broke, we definitely have people on tight budgets. <laughs> but going from broke is a show, it's executive produced by Ashton Kutcher and Dan Rossenswig um, that I came in on the second season as being the co-host of. Season one was one of Crackle's best performing shows. And so I actually ended up watching the episodes last night. And I was like, wow, this is really good. I normally don't watch myself when I record things, but I watched last. I said, wow, this is really good. I'm ready for the next episode. And I was there. And so going from broke, I actually became the co-host. I interviewed directly with Ashton and Dan for the role. And I was recommended by another colleague in personal finance, Jean Chatsky, who is just awesome. She's she's wonderful too. And she recommended me for it. And at first I was on the fence about doing it. I, I really was. And I'm really happy I said yes, because the impact that we had on each of the cast members' lives in that span of time is tremendous. We shot it remotely. So some of the people we didn't get to actually meet in person, but I mean, the episode that's um, that went live yesterday, like I'm literally in tears crying because we... we created such an emotional connection to them because they're checking in. We know their lives. We know what they're up against. And I, I'm just so proud of so many of our cast members because they did the work. Well, 
Yeah, you have to watch. Some people did work differently, <laughs> but they, they, a lot of people just really showed up and made the best of what they had available to them or dealt the way they may. You just got to watch. They, people just have to watch it because we have some interesting people who are part of the show. But a lot of it centered around student loan debt and debt that people have. And I walked away from the show somewhat angry because they're such good people and it is in, it is insane to me that in this country, someone at 20 years old can take out the sum of a mortgage in debt without an understanding of how they're going to pay it off. And like, that's fine. Like, yeah, you got 300, you have $108,000 in student loan debt. You're, you're 20. Cool. Yeah. So I walked away just angry and like, we have to do student loan reform is, is necessary. Um, but it's a great, it's a great show and it's free. People can watch it for free, which is. Important. Oh, can they? How do you how do you get Crackle for free? So Crackle is available if you have a smart TV that usually has a Crackle app installed or you can install it or a Roku box. But also online, you literally can go to Crackle.com and watch it for free on, on like online on your mobile device or on your desktop. Oh, love it. OK, so we have to go back, though. Why did you almost say no? Why? Like, why did you have to think about it? The time commitment. It, it was a time commitment. And part of, we've spoken about this, about asserting your worth and everything else. You know, I can be transparent because a lot of my, some of our money went to some of the cast members. And I was like, my time is worth more than this. Based on my financial goals, my time is worth more. Um, but I... I really, you know, at the the team is just phenomenal. The team around it, the support around it. Like I said, I'm just happy I said yes. Something said yes. I consulted with a few people in my life. My former manager, who is exceptional, and he like is Issa Rae's business development manager. I called him, was like, what do you think? Should I do this? And after speaking to a few people and, talk, you know, giving it to God and like, just leave my heart. Tell, tell me what to do. Uh, I decided to say, yeah, but originally it was because financially, this is not giving what I needed to give. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But it was one of those chase purpose, not money moments. It definitely, definitely, definitely was. And the beautiful thing about getting to a place, again, of financial stability is you say yes to what you want to say yes to and no to what you want to say no to. And that was another thing. At the end of the day, my bills is good. This was just like, icing on the cake at the end of the day. And it was not an opportunity where I had to look to it to um, sustain me. And so it was like, okay, this, this clearly is an alignment with what I should be doing. There's something to be learned here. And the lives we touched, the direct messages that I'm getting now, people who are watching the show, people who are feeling hope, like, wow, I have 117,000 in student loan debt. And I felt hopeless. People are like, I was suicidal with my student loan debt. And is the impact is phenomenal. The last thing I'll say is one of my friends, Combat Jack, passed a couple of years ago. And his thing is always like, dream those dreams. And when he passed, I, you know, you can still listen to his podcast episodes. His legacy is still around. And when I do, sometimes when I do things, I'm like, okay, how can I just make sure that even when I'm here, I'm leaving artifacts. And for me, that's an artifact. That is something Tanya was here. She did great work. She impacted others. and. You know, this is an example of that. I love that. I love that so much. And I think about that a lot as well. Like with the things that I choose to do is like when 
my daughter's kids and grandkids are Googling me or whatever's going on at that time and going, let me look, you know, check my grandma, my great grandma, my great grandma, great, great grandma out. Like, what will they find? And even though I'll be long gone, will they find things that I'm proud of? Will they be able to like say, hey, look at this was my grandmother. This was my great grandmother. Look at what she did for people. Like, look at the impact she had with the dash you know, from 1981 to whenever, look at what she was able to do and how she was able to pour into other people's lives so that the legacy is not just our direct lineage. It's not just Reagan and Karis. It's like all the people that have been supported because we chose to not allow our stories to be weaponized, to tell the truth, to stand in our authenticity and to support others, even as we we're being supported and what was next for our own lives. Absolutely. We know that they're not going to find foolishness when they, when they look us up and they research, because there's some foolishness happening out here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's not our legacy. Look, and, and especially because there was no social media when I was in high school. So all my foolishness just dies with anybody who went to middle school with me as we all like, luckily there was nothing in writing. So you'd have someone <laughs> that went to my middle school to know it's how, used to, it's how I used to, co- how I used to cut up for real, for real, but praise the Lord for deliverance. All right. So Tanya, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you what I call rapid wisdom questions, redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. You're just going to tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay? okay. Here's the first one. How do you define success? Freedom in alignment with my values, my core values. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Ooh, health, choice, abundance. So good. I usually have to be like, hey guys, that's 10 words. Bring it back. That was <laughs> very good. Very good. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself? I would say The Magic of Thinking Big. I would say the magic of thinking big. That would be, that was the first book I read when I started my fab finance. And I know this is supposed to be quick fire. I read that book and I have all these limitations because I don't come from entrepreneurs. And so I had all these limitations of what I could achieve. And that allowed me to step into what could be and dream what could be and gave me permission to seek it, to seek well. So yeah, magic of thinking big. Tanya, I don't know if you saw my face when you said it. I like lit up. So that was the book that Steve Harvey gave me when I was like 19 years old. David, are you serious? Wow. The magic of thinking big. And I remember, you know, it was we were going in a summer break. So maybe I had just turned 20 or something, but we were going in a summer break. And I was talking about being happy that I didn't have to read anything (laughs) because I was his intern back then. And he was like, you only read for school? And I'm like, uh, Duh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would I read otherwise? Right. And he's like, you should read just to read. And he had his bodyguard at the time go and get me this book that he had just read. And it was the magic of thinking big. And that, that shifted everything. That was one of those moments. That was one of those those gifts that I'll just never forget. It was that. And then after I read that, he gave me Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice um, by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, who's now my mentor too. But those two books were gifts from Steve Harvey back in the day. And they really set me up to just, like you, think outside of the box. Like, because what I'm doing and how I'm living is not the norm 
for where I come from. Yeah. And this is why even if you can't invest in a coach or invest in a program or do whatever, you can start with a book. You just have to commit to actually take action on what you read. Like not just buy the book because buying the book is not enough. You have to actually buy it, read it, and then implement as much as you can um, as you go along. Yeah. Wow. No, Patrice, I don't even know where I got the book from. I honestly have no idea where I got it from. I, but it was there and I still have it. I, I still have it. It is tattered. And even when I feel, you know, there's, there's mindset maintenance that I feel we need to do because you can, you can have the juice and you can get to a certain point, but you still you to feel the you have to fill the tank back up. And so every now and again, I check back in and like, look at the sections I highlighted and everything else. And, and, and revisit the book, especially when I feel like I need to, to refill the tank. So, wow. Oh, I love it. Well, you've inspired me. I have to revisit it. I'm, I know I have my copy and it's tattered, tattered. It's old, good and old, but I haven't revisited it in a while. So thank you for that. And here's the last one. You're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Tanya. And to me, the truth about wealth is it is attainable. It is attainable. Yeah, it is. I Yeah, I think that so many people feel like it's out of reach for them. Me, I felt like it was out of reach for me growing up initially. And I didn't even come from a, I came from a, a solid background. My parents were upper middle class, but I just felt like that's as good as it's going to get. Like that's as good as it's going to get. And man, now I'm talking to my mom. Like I said, and I'm like paying that we gave our nanny a raise and it's like more than my mom ever made at her job. She's like, you paying somebody that? You know, and I just never thought that would be my, my experience. So it's attainable. I love it. I love it. Tanya, it was a long time in the making, but I'm so glad we had a chance to finally sit down and talk and share your brilliance, your genius. And I hope that we use some video so they could see your smile. The audience, it is just a pleasure to watch you continue to grow and do all the things that you do. I'm always inspired and encouraged by you. And I just, I adore you. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Patrice. Everything happens in divine time. Like this was the time. This is when we were supposed to do this. And I'm so thankful and so proud of you. You guys have no idea. I'm a fan of Patrice. My mom's a fan of Patrice. My sister, my family is a fan of Patrice. And so thank you so much for having me. And this is, it's phenomenal what you built. Uh, thank you, sis. I appreciate you. Okay, I hope you enjoy Tanya as much as I enjoyed having that conversation. This is my girl, y'all. We And we are still trying to get back together, as we mentioned in the episode. But some of the takeaways that I want you to have is that Tanya really mentioned being in alignment, that everything that she's doing, everything that she's working on, she's found a way to make sure that it's in alignment so that when she looks back, as she spoke about her friend who passed, that, you know, She can look back and know that she's left her mark, that she's left her legacy. And that's just my question for you today, right? What are you doing? How are you showing up so that a piece of you remains in some form or fashion so that it doesn't just leave, right? When you leave, it doesn't leave when the people who you've poured into leave this earth. But how is there just going to be something that always reminds people that you were here? Let's talk about it. 
maybe that makes sense to you. Maybe it doesn't. Let's let's talk about it. Come over to the Redefining Wealth Facebook group. It's completely free. If you're not a purpose chaser in that group yet, I have no idea what you're waiting for. You can go to IamAPurposeChaser.com. Let's talk about what legacy are you leaving? What's that thing that'll be left behind that you hope people will remember that you were here, right? You hope that people will remember that you were here making a difference, making an impact in some way. Everyone's not called to the masses. Everyone is not called to serve millions, but we are all called. So how are you using that calling to create and leave a legacy? That's my question. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever feeling like you have to chase money. Talk to you later. 